Good morning. That was weak. Good morning. Thank you. Um, at least fake that you are awake, right? Like, <laughs> got to get something going here. Uh, man, so excited to be here this morning and so excited to open this word with you. If you guys have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 11 this morning and we're going to start a new series. I'm going to scoot this out of the way in case I like decide to tackle it or something in a minute. That would be bad for, it'd be funny for you. It'd be bad for me, but um, man, um, just such a good morning already and so ready to see what God's going to say in his word. I'm so excited about this. We're going to start a new series this morning called Draw Near. And um, obviously from the name, right, we're going to be talking about drawing near um, to, to Jesus. And it's funny, we just sang that song and God took that that way. If you think that we're smart enough to like plan stuff like that, probably some of us are, but I'm not that guy. And I picked the song. So um, I didn't like manufacture that moment. That was like a God thing. And uh, we've sang that song a million times. And man, I just feel like um, today was different. <laughs> And I thank God for like moments like that, just holy moments where God just steps in the room and he says, like, I'm, I'm here, I'm here. And that's what we just went into. And I think that's amazing uh, when he does that. And I'm just thankful this morning for that. But we're going to start a new series this morning called Draw Near. And I know it's at least going to be like two weeks long, uh, <laughs> which maybe isn't like, maybe it's a mini series. I don't know yet. But anyway, uh, man, thank you for, yeah, it's funny, I'm, I'm funny. Thank you, Brad. I thought I was funny, whatever. Um, I'll laugh for both of us. Um, But man, um, we're going to be talking about drawing near to Jesus for the next few weeks. And as we left last week, uh, I I knew kind of where we were headed. And I had two verses in my head. And I was praying, God, like, what would you say? Where would you have us to be? And um, I landed um, on this verse. And I guess maybe the next week will be the other one. And and as going into it, I thought, man, these are two different things, two different topics. And God just kind of meshed them both together for me as I was praying and studying this. So we're going to be in Matthew 11, and we're going to talk about drawing near um, to God. Now, I think um, for a lot of us, if we were honest, we took like an honest poll today. We said, who wants to be closer to God? That maybe it's like for a lot of us, it'd be like, yeah, that's me. I would, I would do that. And I'm raising my hand because that's me, and um, I want to be closer to God. And if you don't, um, awesome. I'm glad you're wherever you are. Um, and uh, Man, I hope that works for you, and I hope that I get to a place where I'm like, I'm close enough, but I'm just not there, and I want to be closer, and um, we're going to talk about what Jesus says, what the Bible says about getting close to God for the next at least two weeks, and we're going to do that this morning through Matthew 11, Matthew, uh, or the gospel of Matthew, or maybe the gospel from the point of view of Matthew is this narrative story of Jesus' life told by Matthew, the disciple, like the guy that was there with Jesus. That's amazing to me. Um, This guy used to be a tax collector. His name was Levi. Jesus walks in the room and he says, follow me. And he leaves everything. He leaves his fortune. He leaves his job. He leaves his home. And and he he goes to follow Jesus. And Jesus, in, in that moment, in the next few years, and probably for the rest of his existence on this planet, changes Matthew's life. And not only does he change his life, but he changes his name. And then... He allows him to write this this book that we get to read and, and study Jesus through. 
Isn't that amazing that that's preserved from Matthew, this eyewitness who was really there, like when Jesus was walking, and these stories aren't some stories that have been kind of passed down the line and then finally written down hundreds of years later, but written by the hand of a guy who actually saw these things happen. And it leads like uh, amazing credibility to what God has done and, and who Jesus is just through the words of this man, Matthew, who is really there. And we see in 11 that Jesus was um, teaching. It says he went to a town. It doesn't say what town because it doesn't really matter. And he was teaching. And as he was teaching, John the Baptist sends his disciples. Yes, other people had disciples. He sends his followers over to Jesus. And he sends them with this question, are you the Messiah? John the Baptist has spent his kind of existence up to this point in time teaching and preaching. There was this coming Savior, and they needed to repent because the kingdom of heaven is near, and John didn't even know how near it was. And Jesus is here now, and he's seen the things that Jesus has done, and he's heard these stories. He even baptized Jesus and did this prophetic thing where he's like, man, here's this guy, and I'm not even worthy to, like, strap his shoes together. And then he he begins to, I guess wonder, is this the Messiah? So he sends his disciples and his disciples come and they say, hey, John wants to know, are you the guy? And Jesus does this amazing thing. He doesn't say yes, but he says, you go tell John what you've seen and you let John decide. You go tell him the the dead are raised and and the sick are healed. You go tell him that I'm preaching the good news of the kingdom and then you let John decide what John believes. That's amazing. That's amazing because that's how it works for us today. You know, like you can you can believe based off what mom said or dad said or some preacher said, but really what you got to do is you got to open your eyes and allow God to show you who he is. And at that point in time when you make that decision because God has blessed you with that sight from heaven, that's that's really what it is. That's really what it is to believe. Right. Like I grew up in church. I was told from a very early age that there is a God and that his son's name is Jesus and that sinners like me can can die and go to heaven if we believe that Jesus is the savior and we give him our life. I've known that probably. I don't know. I don't know if you can comprehend that when you're a baby. But since then, I've been there. Right. And some of you guys have, too. And I believe that coming up, growing up. But at 11 years old, one day, God just opened my eyes and he said, hey, you believe it yet? What do you mean? I be- yeah, I believed it yesterday. What do you mean? He's like, well, do you want to see it? Do you want to experience it? And in that moment, it's when God changed my life. There's a difference in just believing what you've been told and experiencing something or someone. And this is what Jesus is saying to these guys. He says, you go tell John what you've seen and let John decide. They leave. Jesus begins to teach again. And he says that there's no greater woman born of man, or no greater man born of woman than John the Baptist, which is an amazing compliment, right, for Jesus to say about you. He goes on and he teaches about how this generation, you know, like they don't listen, they don't um, follow, they see, but they don't perceive. And then he gets to what we're going to talk about this morning in, in verse 25. It says, at that time, Jesus said, and then Jesus begins to pray. He says, I praise you, Father. I praise you, or I applaud you, or I give you thanks. I I recognize you. That's the word praise. I'm lifting something up. He says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. And then he begins to, to say what he's praising him for. But I think it's amazing when we see Jesus pray, don't you? 
Isn't that like a cool idea that Jesus prays like Jesus is God and he's the son of God and even being God, Jesus feels the need to talk to God. And it like kind of gives you this impression that Jesus is talking to himself a lot of times. Like how does that work when you're God and you pray to God? Like how does that work out? I always see it and I think it's kind of weird. But isn't that amazing that Jesus felt the necessity to pray that Jesus was a prayer? And if Jesus being God feels the need to pray, then we definitely should feel the need to pray. So Jesus takes a moment in this message that he's giving and he stops and he just begins to pray. And in his prayer, he begins to to thank God. And he says, I praise you. And then he says, Father, this relational word. This, this word saying, hey, you, you are my father. Now, for us, it's heavenly father, right? We know that this is God the father that he's speaking to. He's directing his prayer towards that part of the Trinity, speaking to the father. But it also should show us that prayer is a very relational thing, that prayer is not just a motion robotic thing that we do every time we like close our eyes before we go to bed or before we eat. But it's, it's a relational thing. We talked about that a few, I guess, maybe months ago now that we actually have this permission from Jesus to talk to God as our father, as someone who cares about us, loves us, who, who, who wants us. Like there's this relational aspect to prayer. And Jesus prays every time like this, Father. And then he says, he acknowledges him as this Lord of heaven and earth. What he's saying is you have all the authority. You're the king of, you're the person in charge of, you're the Lord of heaven, which we know but also the Lord on earth. He has all the power, the authority in heaven and earth. And then he starts to say why he's praising him. He says, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to infants. Now, what things is he talking about? The things he's talking about. So he started with this, this gospel. See, at this point in time, Jesus is talking to a lot of Jewish people, a lot of religious people, and they've come over and over and over again to hear this man teach because he teaches like nobody else has ever taught. They've seen him heal the sick and raise the dead. They've seen him do amazing things. But the reality of it is, at this point in time, Jesus is, just has a very few followers. The Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, as a large part, the people that know the most about the law and the Bible have turned away from God. The, the general population we see shows up a lot, and they're fans of Jesus, but they're not followers of Jesus. Jesus will say something they don't like, and they'll just turn away. It's, it's amazing. It's like we see that happen sometimes in the church today. Like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that, so I don't want to do this anymore. And, and the reality of it is that's because a lot of times those people don't actually know him. They're just fans of him. There's a difference in a, in a fan and a follower. You can like a lot of stuff about Jesus, yet never really give your life to Jesus. You can think Jesus is an amazing teacher or, or leader. He was this great moral man, but never really follow Jesus. And that's what we're seeing in, in, in this text. And he's speaking about these people, and he's saying to the Father, Hey, praise God. Praise you. The Lord of heaven and earth, the one who knows what's going on, the one who's in charge, who has the best plan, because you have, have hidden these things from the wise and the learned. You've hidden the gospel from the wise and the learned, and you've revealed it to infants. Now, I read that, and I'm like, what is he saying there? Is he saying that you have to be dumb to believe in the gospel? I don't think that's what he's saying. I hope that's not what he's saying. I believe, and I kind of feel like I am sometimes, but I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think he's saying you have to like be some blind sheep who never intellectually engages with the word of God and, and with the, with really the, the, the hard truths of the Bible to believe in the gospel. I don't think he's saying that you have to disconnect your brain to have faith. I don't think he's saying that. 
I think what he's saying actually is it's not an intellectual process that leads us to the gospel. It's not some thing where somebody comes through and he talks us into believing the gospel. I would actually argue that Jesus was the most effective presenter of the gospel to ever exist, but he was the least effective in seeing people come to know him. At his death, he had, what, like 120 followers, and he preached for, I don't know, three and a half years. Most effective presenter of the gospel, but the least amount of followers, maybe, maybe like that would be like a small church, right, 120 people. Knew the most about the word of God, explained the word of God in a way nobody ever has before. But in our view, like, was his ministry really, like, effective? Because what we see effective is, like, megachurch, right? Like, thousands of people sitting in a room listening to somebody talk. Like, that's what we think is effective. And Jesus was not the leader or pastor of a megachurch. He had 11 guys he could count on, 12 guys that hung around a lot, and 120 people that were in and out. And he was the most effective presenter of the gospel to probably ever walk on the planet. It says in the Bible, nobody ever taught like this guy. Still true. You don't have to interpret the word of God. He is the word of God. Like he knows what he's talking about. And what he's saying in this moment is that like God has chosen for the gospel not to be like some intellectual thing where somebody speaks and we agree. But it's actually a revelation where we don't agree, but we see. That at some point in time, through the blessing from heaven, that God opens our eyes and we become able to see that Jesus is the Son of God and see that Jesus is the Savior and that his death on the cross was enough. It's not some thing where we just come in and we, amen, 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 I agree with that. It doesn't change anything about me. I just prayed this prayer this one time. But it's this thing where God grips us and he changes our whole life through a blessing from heaven. He opens our eyes and you're like, well, back that up. I can back that up. What's Paul say? Jesus says, who do people say that I am? They say all these different things. Who do you say that I am? And, and Peter, sorry, says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's, that's the right answer, by the way. And Jesus looks back at him and he says, what? Not you're smart or great. You figured it out or you finally learned enough or you heard from me. But he says, you are blessed Because it's not flesh and blood that have revealed this to you, but our Father in heaven. I'm just going to say to us today, like, if you know Jesus, it's not because you're smart. It's because God has opened your eyes to the truth of who he is. What do we start with? The disciples come. Are you the Messiah? He says, go tell him what you've seen. Go tell him what you've experienced. Go go tell him what, what you've seen with your own eyes. The good news is being preached. The dead are raised. The sick are being healed. And let him decide for himself. It's not something where he said, hey, let me just let me tell you the gospel really quick. Let me just, you know, drop these little four verses into your brain. And then you go back and tell him the four verses. And if you talk really hard and you get loud every once in a while, maybe he'll have a response to your words because it'll make sense to him. See, the reality of it is you either see it or you don't see it. And I can't preach hard enough or or talk loud enough or swing my arms enough that I can intellectually talk anybody into the gospel. The truth of it is it's God's work from heaven in our hearts. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying in this moment. He's not saying God only saves babies. He's saying God reveals this to his children. Praise God who knows everything 
has all the authority in heaven and earth. Because, God, you chose not to make the gospel some intellectual experience, but you chose to make it a revelation from heaven. That's what he's praying in front of all these people. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. He goes on in 27 and he says, All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. My Father has all the authority in heaven and on earth, and he's put me in charge of all these things. And he says, No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows Jesus like the Father. Truth of it is, there's a lot of people sitting around that know about Jesus when he says this. He's not saying nobody knows Jesus. He has disciples at this point in time. There's people that are around him at this point in time. If you said Jesus in probably any town in Israel, there'd be people, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, he, he healed Stan the other day. Yeah, Stan, you know, the guy that lays on the mat all the time. Yeah, he doesn't have a mat anymore. Um, people know about Jesus at this point in time. But nobody knows Jesus like the Father. He's saying, nobody sees me like the Father sees me. Nobody knows all the power and and the person of Jesus like like the Father, is what he's saying. Like the disciples, they've glimpsed glimpsed it. These people have seen miracles. They've seen kind of amazing things that Jesus does. but, But nobody really knows the depth of the person and the power of Jesus like the Father does. And he says, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Nobody knows God the Father like Jesus knows God the Father. Nobody's experienced that. Isn't it amazing? He's sitting around a a group of people that are religious people that probably have large sections of the Old Testament memorized, and those books talk about the personality, the person of God, and the power of God, and they know, right, about God. They could tell you all these different stories. They could tell you all these different things. They've read all the pages. They've memorized probably lots of it. But see, the reality of it is there's a difference in knowing about someone and knowing someone. And that's what he's saying. All the people sitting around know about Jesus. All the people sitting around know about the Father. But he's saying nobody knows the Father. I've met the guy, is what he's saying. I've experienced the Father. The best way I can put it to you is, like, today, um, you've met people that are, like, giant fans of, like, uh, we'll we'll say Japan, uh, and and they love, like, all the Japanese things, and they they read books and articles and stuff about the culture, and they immerse themselves in it. Maybe they even, like, learn to draw the things and learn to, like, buy the things, and they eat the same things. But the truth of it is, like, some of those people, most of those people have never been to Japan. Right? They know a lot about Japan, but they've never experienced Japan. They, they know about the culture and the art, but they've never been there. And this is what he's saying. Like, you guys, you know about the Father. Everybody sitting in the crowds heard about the Father. You know the stories. You know where they've split the sea and stuff like that. But you've never been to the Father is what he's saying. He says, no one has experienced the Father. No one knows the Father. Like, they know about him, but they don't know him. No one knows the Father Except the Son, but listen to this, he says, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. No one knows or has experienced the Father, Father God in heaven, except for the Son, and 
anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. That's the words of Jesus to a lot of religious people, a lot of people that, you know, wear the right clothes and say the right things and act the right way and and read the right book. Like, that's what Jesus is saying to these people, religious people who pray to the Father, who make sacrifices to the Father, who worship the Father. And he looks at all these people and he says, you can't come to the Father. You can know about the Father, you can sing about the Father, you can read about the Father, you can wear the shirts of the Father, right? But you can't get there unless the Son desires to show you. It says it this way later on, right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except by me. And he's sitting around talking to a lot of people that probably think they know the Father and probably know a lot about the Father. And he's saying to those people, but you can't come to the Father unless I let you come to the Father. I think it's fitting because, um, like, we could just swap crowds today, right? Like, this is religious people who know a lot about the Father, who read about the Father and sing to the Father and wear the right clothes and act the right way. And he's looking at those people and he says, but you can't get to the Father except through the Son. You ever heard people that are like, I really like God, but I don't know about the Jesus thing. I believe in God, but I don't know if I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. What he's saying to those people is, you may believe in him, but you're never going to get there. You're never going to experience him. You're never going to know him. Because you can't pick one or the other. Like, what did Jesus say? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, you're blessed from heaven because it's the Father who showed you this. So you can't see the Son except for the Father, and you can't know the Father except through the Son. You don't just get to pick a part of. God that you like and you're comfortable with. It's like, I want all of it or I want none of it. And he looks at these people and he's like, it's not your religion, it's not your reading, it's not your prayers, it's not your worship, it's not your sacrifices, it's, it's the son that gets you to the father. And again, I think if we took a poll this morning, you're like, how many of you like wish you could experience God how many of you want more of God? How many of you want to know this God in, in a greater way? And, and it's not just like a Sunday thing for you, right? But like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing for you. But a lot of us would be like, that's me. Because if we're honest, a lot of us, like it is a Sunday thing, right? Like we come in and we do the thing and then we go home and like we forget about God for a couple days and then it's like Saturday night. You're like, ah, am I going to go? Am I not going to go? I don't know. I guess I'll go. And then we get our God stuff going again and then we leave and we're like, but I got to work and I got to do this thing and I got to everything else, every other priority, every other thing. And then it's like, ah, Sunday's coming. Am I going to go? And then you go and you know, you know what I mean? Anybody like, just be honest today. Anybody feel that? You're like, that's me. That's me. I'm that guy. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm that guy. 
I like pray every once in a while during the week, but like the, the most time that I like experience God is when I'm surrounded in a room full of God's people and we're singing and blah, 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 blah. And then the rest of the week, it's kind of more me than it is God. And there's not like a real everyday relationship thing. It's just like a, you know, Sunday thing. Because for a lot of us, and I've been there, and some weeks I'm still there, that, that's it, right? And Jesus says, I, I, can, I can get you to the Father. If that's what he's saying to these people, I, I can get you to the Father. And then he follows that up in... 28 with like this verse that we've all heard a million and seven times, right? Like, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Like, if you've been to church probably ever, you've seen that somewhere, right? Maybe it's like this, because it's King James. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, whatever that means, and I will give you rest. I'm like, what does a ladle have to do with anything, right? Like, but this is what Jesus is saying here. He looks at this crowd, those people who desire probably in, in, in some way or another to know God. And probably up until this moment, and maybe still do, and they're like, who is this Jesus guy? Like, I know God. Probably think they do. And Jesus looks at him, he's like, you don't. You don't know God. You don't know God. Not how I know God. And then Jesus gives this invitation. He's like, you can know God through me. And then he looks at everybody sitting there and he says this amazing thing. He says, come to me. Come to me. Well, we don't know how many people were sitting in the crowd that day. And he looks and he's like, come to me. I, I can fix that. Come to me. You want to know the Father? Come to me. You want to experience God? Come to me. You want something deep and real? Come to me. I'm the way. You want something the substance? Come to me. You want to know it and feel it and believe it? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Come to me. I'm the place, right? Like I'm, I'm the way. Come to me. He gives this invitation to everybody. Just like, by the way, he still gives the invitation. Come to me. That's like we could quit there today, right? Like this is Jesus. Come to me. You, you want it? Come to me. But the amazing thing is, and the thing I want us to get this morning, then he identifies the group of people that can come to him. What's he say? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now the word weary, do we have weary back there? Maybe. We know weary, right? Feeling or showing tiredness, especially as a result of excessive exertion or lack of sleep. It's tired. Tired because you're like always doing something, right? That's weary. I'm just worn out. I'm worn out and I'm tired. And then we have burdened. Burden is loaded heavily or to load something heavily. Or to cause someone hardship or distress. This is the people Jesus says he's looking for. And what's crazy about that is for most of us, if we've been around church very long, we've bought into the lie, Jesus only lets perfect people come close to Jesus. Amen? Like we, we believe that. Even if we don't like say that, that's what we believe. 
Jesus only lets people that have it all together come to Jesus. Or Jesus only lets people that never sin and never mess up and never think bad thoughts and never do anything wrong. He lets those people come to Jesus. Jesus wants all the good people to come to Jesus. That's what we believe anyway. Amen? That's what we think anyway. And you're like, no, 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 no. I, I know, I know, I know he lets other people come. But what happens when you're not that way? When you don't have it all together and it's all falling apart for you and it doesn't make sense and you feel like you've just screwed everything up, what do you think? Well, when I get back to this place, then I'll be close to God again. When I clean up my act in this way, then I'll be close to God again. Or when I stop doing this, then I'll be close to God again. Or when I get up out of this hole, then I'll be close to God again. And that's not the people Jesus is inviting to be close to Jesus. He says, come to me, everybody who's worn out. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, I'm looking for you today. That's what he's saying, right? Like, come to me, all you who are weary. You've been trying and exerting and struggling and clawing and digging. That's who I'm looking for. You're just tired of digging. Come to me, all you who are burdened, who feel like you're weighed down with just everything. You're depressed or you're sick or you're, you're lonely or you're in heartache or, or you're struggling with sin and shame and guilt. Like you just feel like everything's falling apart around you and it's crushing you and you don't know how you're going to get out of this. You feel like your world's falling apart. That's the people Jesus says I'm looking for. I'm looking for the people that got nothing together today. I'm looking for the people who are in honesty saying, I don't know what's going on around me today. I'm in a hole. I'm in a pit. I'm struggling and I'm tired of struggling and I don't know what's going on. And Jesus looks at all those people and he says, come on, come on. Oh, you don't have it together today? Oh, cool. Come on. Oh, you're struggling today? That's awesome. Come on. Oh, you're, you're heartbroken today? That's awesome. Come over here. Oh, you're tired of being tired? Yeah, come on over here. Oh, and, yeah, I'm not waiting for you to get to some place before I'm going to invite you in. I'm getting you where you are today is what Jesus is saying. He stands in front of all these people dealing with all kinds of different things, and they're hiding behind all kinds of religion, and they're, oh, I've got to be perfect today, and I've got to be okay today. And if somebody says, oh, how are you doing today? I've got to be like, oh, I'm great when I'm really not great. He's looking at all those people, and he's saying, come on. Come in honesty today. Come in brokenness today. Come in, I don't know if I can get up to get up there today. Come in that is what Jesus is saying. Come all you people who are tired and burdened. And the amazing thing about that is like I can relate to that. I can get on board with that. If it was come all you people that got it all together, I can never come anywhere near Jesus. If it was come all you people that never mess up and never think bad thoughts and never like just want to ram your car into somebody, like I can't come to that. Come all you people who have never thought about choking that guy that just said that thing to you. I can't get behind that. Come all you people who have never sinned. I can't get behind that. Come all you people that can clean your own life up. Come on. I can't get behind that. I've tried that. I've tried being good. I can't be good. I've tried never thinking bad things or saying bad things or never whatever. I can't get behind that. See, I can't relate to perfect because I've never been perfect. But I can relate to tired. I'm tired of me like every day. I can relate to burdened because there are days I'm like, I don't really know how I'm just going to get through today. So to me, when Jesus says, come to me, and then I hear, yeah, you. Yeah, you who are struggling. Yeah, you who 
feel like you're never getting back yet. Yeah, you who feel like there's no way you're ever going to talk to me again, who, who used to be close and now you're not close and you know you messed it up. I, when I hear him point at me and say, yeah, you can come. Man, that's amazing. You want to be close to God today. You want to know the Father today and you want to know the Son today and you want to be known by the Father today and you want to be known by the Son. I have good news. You don't have to do a thing today. Jesus is standing there and he's saying, come on. Like you are right now, come on. Like you're living right now, come on. You don't have to clean anything up, come on. And then there's this amazing promise to a bunch of tired and burdened people. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. We just today imagine like all the stuff we're carrying today, like just bags and bags full of stuff. That weight that you like physically or spiritually or emotionally feel dragging you down. And it's on your back all the time. That guilt or that shame or that sin or that sorrow or that sickness or that confusion or that my world's falling apart, that thing that like makes you fear getting out of bed some mornings, that anxiety, that depression, that aggravation or anger, like that thing, whatever that thing is for you, that addiction. That you, you, right now when I'm saying it, like some of you physically can just feel it, right? You're like, this is me. This is like nobody knows it, but this is me. And I'm angry, or I'm frustrated, or I feel let down, or whatever. And if somebody said to you today, yeah, I can take that off. I, I can take that off. Like, how would that feel? Oh, yeah, I, I can do something about that. That's no big deal. It's not a big deal for me. Like, what would the response be to that? For real? I don't have to feel this anymore. For real, I don't have to, like, go through this anymore. Come to me, right? Like, with all your baggage, and I'll give you rest. That's like the invitation that Jesus is giving to these people. Yeah, I get your world's falling apart, but you don't have to carry that. I get, like you're, you're struggling today, but you don't have to carry that. I'll give you rest. I don't know very many people that would be like, yeah, I just, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I really want that. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I like being tired. I like feeling like everything's crushing me all the time. I love that. I love feeling like nobody cares. That's, my, that's the best. I love being so in pain that I can't feel pain. I love that. Like, I don't know any people like that, do you? But, like, that's what we do. Um, I don't know. I'm, re- I'm just really not good. I don't know if I can... 
don't know if I can bring that. I don't, I don't know if I really just want to fess up to Jesus that, that this is how I feel today. So I'll just keep, I'll just keep feeling it until like I can get rid of it. Isn't that silly? And why do we do that? Because we've bought into this lie that until we get to some place, we can't get to God. And here Jesus is saying, no, I will take you today. I don't care that you're mad at me. I don't care. Bring it. I don't care that you've been doing that. Bring it. I don't care that you ran away. Come back and bring it. Like that's the invitation, isn't it? Come to me in all your mess, with all your baggage, with all your stuff, and all your reality. Everything that you're really feeling today, everything you're really struggling with today, bring every bit of that here. Because this is where rest is. He goes on and he says, what, take my yoke. Actually, he says, all of you, not some of you. Take up my yoke and learn from me. Because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. Now, as a kid, I thought this was the weirdest verse in the whole Bible. Because in, in, as a kid, like, I get the whole, like, learn from me thing, right? Like, what I said a minute ago, Jesus doesn't want us to detach our brains to believe in Jesus. He wants us intellectually involved. Mark 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. He wants us to wrestle with hard truths, and he wants us to read his word and to, to struggle through his word. Jesus wants our brains, too. With all your doubts and all your fears and all your stuff. Right? He says, come to me. But the yoke thing was weird for me as a kid. Like, because the only context I had for yoke was like the yellow part in the middle of an egg. And I was like, well, why does A, Jesus have a yoke? That's weird. People don't have yokes, I don't think. I'm not a doctor, but I've never seen one. Um, and then why does Jesus want me to have yoke on me? Right? Like, it's weird. I didn't get that. But a yoke, uh, we got yoke. Um, and what he's talking about is, is a yoke is a wooden beam normally used between a pair of oxen or other animals, beast of burden, to enable them to pull together on a load when working in pairs. That's what he's saying. Take my yoke, this wooden beam, on you. And I'll help you carry these things. You put a yoke on beast of burden and they, they pull together whatever the load is. You got bricks or you got hay or you got people. It doesn't really matter. It helps distribute the load. It helps distribute the weight. So it's not just one thing walking down the street trying to carry this big old cart, but it's, it's two or three or four, whatever. 
And when Jesus is saying, take my yoke, this, this wooden beam upon you, and learn from me, what, what's he saying? He says, come to me, all you who are tired and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, let's link up together and carry this thing. See, the reason Jesus wants us to bring our reality to him is he can help us carry it when we bring it to him. A lot of us are tired because we're carrying this this stuff on our own. We're carrying all this baggage on our own. All this world's falling apart on our own. And Jesus is like, you don't have to carry it on your own. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Come on. I will help you carry your baggage. I will help you carry your stuff. Now, that's maybe not super popular because what we want is Jesus to come through and take the bags off and throw them in the fire and all the stuff. And for some of us, that happens. Right? We heard last week, somebody stood on the stage said, I prayed that God would take this away, and he took this away. And he's still taking it away. Five years from now, he's still taking it away. And he miraculously does that sometimes. I know that and I believe that. But some of us have prayed that prayer and nothing's really happened, right? Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. I've prayed that over things in my life over and over and over and over again. And here I am years later and I'm still standing there fighting it. And for some of us, that's the reality today. Some of us are going to live with depression maybe forever. That's a real thing. It's not just some, well, you're not close enough to Jesus, brush it under the rug thing. Like, that is a real thing that really affects people. And it doesn't mean you're not close to Jesus. It just means that there's something going on. But Jesus does say, I'll help you. Anxiety, a real thing. Jesus says, I will really help you. You may struggle with it forever, but I'll be here to struggle with you. Sin, some of us are going to struggle with the same thing over and over and over and over again. And we're going to beat it back and it's going to come back. And we're going to beat it back and it's going to come back. But Jesus says, you know what? I'll even help you carry that. I'm here today to help you carry the thing that is weighing you down and making you tired. I'm here today to do that. And then he says, you can trust me because what? I'm gentle and humble. He starts giving his character. He's like, man, I love you. That's why you can trust me with this. You don't have to come here afraid I'm going to beat you with some rod and tell you how dumb you are and how you've messed it all up. That's not what I'm looking for today. I'm here to help. I see your need and I want to help you. I want to help you bear that need. Come link up with me is what he's saying. Come bring it down here. What's he say later on in the book? He says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. Bring it here. Come to me, all you who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, on you. We'll carry this thing together. Learn from me. I'm gentle and humble. And what's he say? You will find rest. My version says for yourself, but I love the old version where it says for your soul. I get that you're tired. I get that you're burdened. I get that everything's falling apart for some of you. I get that it feels so heavy sometimes for some of you. You don't even know how you're going to get out of bed. You have a fear of going to sleep because you know you just have to get up again. I get that. But so does God. And what he's saying to us today is it doesn't disqualify you from closeness. 
You can be angry and close. You can be hurt and close. You can be in sorrow and be close. You can be depressed and be close. You can live in anxiety and be close. You can live with, I don't get what's going on and be close. You can live in, I don't know what your plan is and be close. You can be close today. And for some of you, maybe God will take that burden away. But for some of us, he's going to make us carry it, but he's going to help. And if we want rest today, rest is not, I'm going to clean my life up, or I'm going to get to this place, or I'm going to get back to God on my own. Rest is God came down and he said, come to me. Just like you are in this moment today, come to me in all your brokenness. Come to me. Be honest with me about what you're living in, what you're going through. I already know anyway. Cast all your cares right here because I care for you. And when you do that today, you're going to experience something that you maybe never thought you were going to get again. In this tired, burdened state, you maybe never thought you were going to see again. Because in this place of come to me is a place you're going to find rest for your soul. Come to me. That's the invitation today. Come to me. Come link up with me. Come bring your burdens and your baggage to me. Come drop the backpack off for a moment with me. We may pick it back up here in a minute, but come drop it off for just a moment. And when we have to pick it back up, if that's what God has planned, we'll pick it up together. Come to me, all of you, all of you, just like you are. And I will give you rest. Father God, this morning we thank you. God, we thank you. Because God, that's your heart for us today. God, today that there's this invitation from you that we can come just like we are. That God, we don't have to wait till some moment off in the distant future to come and clean our life up and get close to you. That today in our very farthest place, that we can come. And today that in the very pit maybe of our deep sorrow, that we can come in, a, in our inner sin, our guilt, our shame today. That we can come in our, in our frustration maybe even today that we can come. You're not asking God for us to be perfect today. You're asking for us to be honest today. Just to be real today with where we are and who we are. That today we can look inside and we can say, I'm struggling I'm beaten down. I'm ripped apart. Everything's falling apart around me and I don't know where to go or what to do. And in that honest place where we would come and we would say, God, I don't know what to do. And you would just look back and say, you don't have to do anything. I'm not asking you to clean up your life. I'm not asking you to clean up your act. I'm not asking you to get anywhere or send to anything. I'm just asking you today to be real and to come in all that reality, to come in all that realness, to come in all that brokenness, to come in all that hurt and all that heartache, to bring it to this place and lay it down. 
to believe that I am gentle and humble, that I do love you and I care about you. And I'm not here to beat you today. I'm here to love you today. I want to bring you close. I want to bring you in. I know that for some of us today, we run the risk of thinking like, oh, this is for lost people. No, this is for all people. There's a lot of people in Christ today who are struggling and hurting and going through that sorrow. There's a lot of people in Christ today who are struggling with sin and guilt and shame. There's a lot of people in Christ today who deal with depression and anxiety. There's a lot of people in Christ today who everything doesn't look perfect for. And we've been living far away thinking we needed to do something to get back. But the reality today is Jesus has already done everything to bring us back. And today he's not asking for you to exert more effort. He sees you're already tired. But you know what Jesus does when he sees tired people? It says in his word that he has compassion. Because they're weary and worn out. They're tired of living the way they're living. They're living like sheep without a shepherd. But we got a shepherd. We can run to, not away from today. And for some of us this morning, uh, we got to bring our burdens. And we got to lay them down. And I'll be honest with you, for a lot of us, that means coming and bowing before God. And, and saying, I don't really care what people think. I care what you think. And today I'm here to lay my burdens down at your feet. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people see. I want you, God. I want you. That's the desperation of I want to be close. You can't be close from I don't want people to see me suffer. You can't be close from I don't want people to see me in a place of need for God. You'll never be close from there. You'll be close from a place of humility that says, I don't care who sees. I just want God. I want everything God has to offer today. I want more of him. I want to know him, not just on Sunday, but every day.